You're listening to Coast to Coast Latino. Good Friday to you. Welcome to the Coast to Coast Latino podcast. My name is Adrian Perez. I am your host for this program. We are brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community. They also bring us the different intro music that we provide. This song is called Real Reality by actor, performer, singer Daniel Valdez, known for the movie Zoot Suit, and of course, uh, founder, co-founder of El Triato Campesino. You can find this song on the album Mestizo, and Mestizo can be obtained through Amazon.com. Uh, be sure to add it to your collection. And I had a great choice, great opportunities. I had a great choice, but I have no doubt that I picked the right person to join me as the next Vice President of the United States of America, and that's Senator Kamala Harris. And with that announcement, not only does Joe Biden complete his ticket for President of the United States of America, he also uh, establishes history as Kamala Harris is the first woman of color to be selected to run for Vice President of the United States. And uh, who is Kamala Harris? And what does she really represent? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna delve in a little bit into who Kamala Harris is and whether or not the Latino community can benefit from her candidacy. So who is Kamala Harris? Well, I can tell you that she was born in Oakland, California. Uh, a product of uh, two immigrant parents. Her mother was a cancer researcher from India, and her father was an economist from Jamaica. They met at UC Berkeley, got married, and had two children. And Kamala's uh, upbringing was uh, rather unique. Her parents divorced when she was seven. But as a newborn and toddler, uh, her parents were also involved in the uh, civil rights uh, movement and in protest at UC Berkeley. And uh, they would take uh, Kamala with them in a stroller. So her exposure to to protest and, and civil rights obviously started at a very young age. But after their divorce, uh, uh, Kamala's mom raised her and her younger sister uh, in Berkeley. And uh, Kamala started school and was bust because it was the second year of integration back then. And so she was bust for three years from a predominantly black lower middle class neighborhood to a school located in the more pros prosperous white district. 
She also attended uh, two different uh, churches. She attended uh, both the uh, Black Baptist Church as well as a Hindu temple. After high school, she attended Howard University, a very prestigious black university in the United States, uh, where she majored in political science and economics. Then she moved to San Francisco to live with her sister while she attended uh, law school. After uh, passing uh, the bar exam, Harris joined the Alameda County uh, Prosecutor's Office in Oakland as an assistant uh, district attorney focusing on sex crimes. And although her parents really weren't too happy about the career choice she had made, uh, she explained to them that uh, what she wanted to do was change the system from the inside. Around 1994, Harris began uh, dating Willie Brown, who was a powerhouse without a doubt uh, in California politics. In fact, uh, he was uh, the uh, speaker of the state assembly and 30 years older than Harris. Uh, but uh, because of uh, his, his, uh, his status, he appointed Harris to the California Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board and the uh, Medical Assistance Commission. Uh, the positions together paid around $80,000 a year uh, on top of her prosecutor salary. So she was making pretty good money back in uh, 1994 after uh, Willie Brown was elected mayor of the city of San Francisco. Uh, Harris broke up with him and uh, claiming that that relationship was not going to go anywhere. Later, she was recruited by a former colleague in Alameda uh, to uh, join the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, uh, where her focus was teenage prostitution. And uh, she's the one who initiated the reorientation of uh, law enforcement's approach on uh, focusing on the girls as victims rather than uh, criminal, uh, uh, criminal selling sex. And so uh, it, it introduced a whole new perspective on punishing the, uh, the uh, crime not the victim, and looking at girls as, as uh, being trafficked for sex. Uh, she also started uh, hanging around the, uh, the uh, uh, moneyed elite of uh, San Francisco, and they provided the financial backing for her first campaign for office, and that was, of course, uh, running for district attorney of San Francisco. So in 2003, two things happened in San Francisco. One, she was elected as a district attorney. And the other is Gavin Newsom was elected as mayor, replacing Willie Brown. Uh, and uh, 
you know, of course, they became close friends because district attorneys and the mayors typically work very close together. And of course, many have had questions, you know, was she a tough cop or was she uh, uh, just a typical uh, liberal district attorney? Well, guess what? Uh, San Francisco's conviction rate jumped from 54, 52% to 67%. And uh, yeah, there were some uh, some very uh, some very controversial decisions when she was uh, district attorney. One of them uh, included the fact that she decided not to pursue the death penalty against a man who had murdered a San Francisco police officer, Isaac Espinosa, back in 2004. And at Espinosa's uh, funeral, that Senator Dianne Feinstein delivered uh, the eulogy, and she criticized Harris during that eulogy. That that believe it or not prompted a standing ovation from the hundreds of officers that were present. She was Harris then was shunned by police unions for almost an entire decade. During her second year as, or excuse me, her second term as district attorney, uh, she ran for California Attorney General. And uh, quite frankly, many of us didn't believe that she was gonna be able to, uh, to win that. Uh, however, she pulled out a surprise win when three weeks after the election, all the ballots were counted and Harris was declared the uh, the winner. She replaced uh, Jerry Brown, who was elected as uh, governor of California. And uh, needless to say, her term as as uh, California's attorney general was not without controversy. But at the same time, she did some pretty doggone good things. The biggest thing that she did is she fought for homeowners because of the number of foreclosures that uh, were being uh, terribly handled by the banks. And one of the banks that she went after was uh, One West Bank, uh, which at that time the CEO was uh, uh, Mnuchin. And Mnuchin currently is the uh, Secretary of the uh, Treasury under uh, Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, on the downside, things that, that uh, Harris did as attorney general included not addressing police brutality on black men. Uh, and, and especially those that, that uh, were using uh, 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 deadly force. In addition to that, she supported the deportation of uh, young men, young Latino men, uh, especially if uh, they were found guilty of, of uh, uh, misdemeanors. And so for the Latino community, um, there were actually quite a number of things that, uh, that she did not do that were in our favor. Uh, not only uh, the deportations, but also, uh, the LA Times did an investigation on her uh, entire department, especially in the Los Angeles area, and they found that 
many of the uh, many of uh, her staff uh, would lie in court to ensure the prosecution and uh, and the uh, findings of guilt for young Latino men and she incarcerated a lot of African-American and Latino youth and that's really what uh, what caused a lot of uh, criticism regarding her uh, term as as uh, attorney general and in uh, 2016 she ran for U.S. Senate uh, defeating uh, Democrat uh, Lores Loretta Sanchez, uh, quite frankly, one of the best Congresswomen Latinos have had in the U.S. Congress, and uh, it was very unfortunate that Latinos did decided not to support Loretta and instead supported uh, Kamala. But uh, it's very typical, you know, the Latino community and the reason why we have so many. Uh, so many people with varying uh, perspectives is because of our upbringings. And some of us have had bad experiences with the Democratic Party. Others have had bad experiences with Republicans. And so we have a tendency to either angle ourselves towards the uh, Republican or the Democratic Party. Approximately 33% of all Latino registered voters uh, in the United States, uh, uh, have a have a tendency to vote uh, Republican, or are registered Republican, and uh, but yet we have a lot of Democrats that are also moderate, and so many of us had figured that Loretta Sanchez would have uh, won that that particular Senate election uh, because she's a moderate, and instead. Uh, uh, Latinos turned around and voted in large numbers uh, for Kamala Harris and so Kamala won that particular election and and in the Senate Kamala has proved herself that that she's a strong uh, advocate for women and ethnic minorities in fact uh, all we need to do is look at the be uh, the uh, Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court confirmation hearings and uh, just look at those tapes and oh my goodness, she was just really tough on him, as well as on Jeff Sessions. Uh, Jeff Sessions actually uh, told her, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're asking too many questions. I can't, I can't possibly answer or have enough time to answer your questions. So pretty tough woman. So what's happened is that the uh, Trump uh, administration after uh, Joe Biden announced uh, Kamala Harris, the Trump administration figured that, that they don't have anything that they can possibly go after on, uh, on Kamala. And uh, as a result, you know, Trump went back to his uh, typical way of criticizing a potential uh, 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 rival, and that's to start calling them names and so he starts calling her the term nasty which we've noticed he has a tendency to do that to uh, any woman who challenges him or any any woman who challenges his uh, point of view and uh, 
You know, for those of you who support Donald Trump, somebody's got to get a message to him to tell him, stop it. You know, calling people names is not the solution and not the way to get us excited about voting for for him. Uh, he should look instead at his track record. But let's talk about track records. What has Joe Biden actually done for Latinos? Uh, and let me tell you, unfortunately, the biggest negative that he has is uh, that him and Barack Obama deported over 3 million, 3 million Latinos uh, who were here without documents uh, because of uh, their actions. Um, yes, some kids were in fact placed in cages and because of their actions, uh, many families were completely destroyed. Uh, tens of thousands of families, Latino families were destroyed. Uh, how easily we forget those things. But then again, like I said, it's based on our upbringing and our, and our focus on whether uh, we should be Republican or Democrat. And for those uh, Democrats who have forgotten that, uh, that uh, you know, Joe Biden and Barack Obama deported all these people, it's amazing how they easily criticize Donald Trump for suggesting that he's going to deport just as many. And by the way, he has not. Uh, they criticized Donald Trump for wanting to create a wall between uh, Mexico and the United States. And uh, believe it or not, that whole wall idea started uh, back in, uh, back in uh, 1997 between uh, uh, Dianne Feinstein, Democrat Dianne Feinstein, and Democrat President Bill Clinton. That's when they started building a wall. So, you know, we, again, it's all based on upbringing and, and, and I totally get it. Me, I'm an independent, and that's why I'm able to look at things very, very much from a neutral perspective. Uh, uh, it's more important for me to see the benefits that the Latino community is gonna gain from a presidential candidate rather than uh, looking at the party and uh, focusing in on the party. It's actually the individuals. Will Joe Biden improve things this particular go around? Well, based on, believe it or not, the, the track record that Donald Trump has established in terms of responding to this pandemic, yeah, I think, I think Joe Biden has a very strong chance of winning. And when he selected Kamala Harris, a lot of people strongly, strongly believe that, uh, that he has the, uh, the shoe-in, if you will, to be uh, President of the United States come November 3rd. But we need to pressure Biden and ensure that some of the things that Donald Trump has done good for the Latino community remain. And that includes the Hispanic uh, Economic Initiative. Uh, that focuses on two things that are critical for the Latino community, the education of our children, as well as uh, making sure that, that uh, Latinos are no longer in poverty. Uh, we have the highest poverty rate still in the United States. 
And this pandemic hasn't helped any because it's destroying many of our businesses. And, uh, and the secret to uh, getting over any kind of uh, illness is, believe it or not, education. Because the better educated we are, the more healthier we eat, the healthier we live, and the more money we make. And money is related to, in fact, an individual's health. And uh, for every school year that a child attends, uh, the better are the chances of they making more money. And uh, graduating from high school is great. Going to college is even better. So Trump's, Trump's economic initiative is very important. And we need to make sure that Joe Biden doesn't mess with that or better still that he enhances it and makes it more significant. This is a moment of real consequence for America. Everything we care about, our economy, our health, our children, the kind of country we live in, it's all on the line. That is Kamala's uh, speech. Uh, when uh, her and Joe Biden uh, first made their uh, their public appearance. And uh, let me tell you, you know, what she said is very important because we have to hold her to that. We have to hold Joe Biden to that. As Latinos, we need to look at the best way that we can improve our lives. And unless we hold people that we elect into office, at their word, uh, it's not going to work. Okay, uh, simply going in and voting somebody in because they're they're a Democrat or Republican never works. We got to go in there and we gotta we gotta remind them. Look, this is what you said, and this is what you're holding. We're holding you too, because this is why we voted for you. So don't go out and vote blindly. Really get to know your candidates, okay? Don't go blue, don't go red. Look at your candidates. Are they representing you? Are they really looking at the Latino community and really seriously trying to help the Latino community? And that includes, by the way, all election levels, from school board, uh, water districts, to county supervisors, to city council members, uh, to mayor, and of course to to uh, state state offices, state senators, state assembly members, uh, congressional representatives, uh, and of course U.S. senators. Now, if Kamala and Joe Biden win, California has a very interesting opportunity, and that's the opportunity to select. Uh, a, a uh, uh, the next senator representing California. And the governor is the one who's going to make that appointment. For Latinos in California, we got to start pressuring the governor now. He has to look at a Latino and appoint a Latino. Already the Asian community has moved towards uh, trying to influence his decision. And uh, there's some prominent Asian uh, women that could definitely be appointed by uh, Newsom, but uh, considering the fact that 
Latinos make up 40% of the state's population. It should really be a Latino uh, in, that, uh, in that position. Uh, whether it's uh, Attorney General uh, Javier Becerra or Secretary of State uh, uh, Padilla, or for that matter, uh, one of the many women who have stepped up uh, to represent Latinos in California. Again, these are so many opportunities that are presented to the Latino community, and we have to step up to really push and, and get our voices heard and make sure that individuals in power are representing not just our immediate needs, but the needs of our children, because it is about our future. And speaking about our future, COVID-19, which is a present problem, is causing and wreaking uh, havoc. It hasn't stopped. Uh, Latinos continue to be the largest impacted uh, community in the entire United States. Uh, Florida uh, is especially experiencing a large, uh, a large increase in COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic deaths. Uh, and uh, and believe it or not, a lot of them are under the age of 65, which uh, folks are originally and the president originally was saying, oh, it's old people that are that are being affected. And all of a sudden we find that uh, that uh, people under uh, the age of 65 are experiencing uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, symptoms as well as dying from it. And. Uh, you know, another another uh, uh, casualty out of uh, the pandemic are Latino-owned businesses. In a study conducted by uh, Stanford University, uh, Latino-owned businesses in the U.S. have fewer resources to weather the ongoing uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, in their report, the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative says that about 16% or one out of every six Latino-owned businesses can survive beyond six months uh, with the current cash on hand, compared to 24% of white-owned businesses. Now, the reason that is so significant is, again, uh, with the growth of the Latino community, the growth of the Latino population, there's a tremendous need for Latinos to be to play a major role in uh, the nation's economy. And if the small businesses can't survive, that means the economy is going to hurt even more. Uh, Latinos not only uh, uh, hire the largest number of Latinos, uh, but they also have been contributing greatly to the U.S. economy in the trillions of dollars, by the way, trillions of dollars. And, uh, you know, with with not having this, this cash buffer, Latino businesses are, in fact, suffering. And unfortunately, they're not receiving the uh, federal the forgivable funds 
in very large numbers either, uh, making it even more difficult. And I've said it before in prior uh, uh, episodes of the Coast to Coast podcast, we need to help our, our small businesses. You need to shop Latino. Uh, and if they haven't opened, you know what? Help them out. Find out what they need and help them out. Let's get them all back on track. Because if they're back on track, we also will be back on track. COVID-19 is also uh, just hammering our children, especially those uh, that are in school. Uh, the LA Times uh, ran a very powerful article on how it's impacting uh, low-income families. And one of the families that they uh, feature is uh, a family out of uh, Coachella Valley where 90% of the children are uh, low income and guess what, 90% of the children are uh, Latino. And uh, uh, they talked to a student who didn't have a computer, doesn't have a computer. And so they've been trying to use their cell phone, their mom's cell phone, to try to access the online classes. But unfortunately, the connection keeps dropping because the internet's not very good and as you know, cell phones have limited capacity. Uh, she uh, she tried to uh, try to do worksheets uh, through the school, um, and uh, you know, when a, when a child doesn't receive the proper equipment to be able to get an education, such as a laptop, well, guess what? That child's not getting much of an education. Impacts are especially hard on children uh, that are in uh, kindergarten to third grade. And uh, we need to help those children now too. If you know somebody that's got a laptop, or if you know people that are trying to get rid of their laptops, especially companies that are exchanging their laptops, talk to them. See if there's a way that we can get laptops in the hands of our children. This is 1960s Latino rock and roll star Trini Lopez. One of his biggest hits in 1963. This week we lost Trini to COVID-19. Unfortunately, we also lost Arcelio Garcia. Arcelio was the founder of the group Malo, which brought to you this 1972 mega hit song, Suavecito. I want to thank you for joining us on this week's Coast to Coast Latino podcast. Again, my name is Adrian Perez. I sincerely appreciate you tuning in. We are brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're also supported by U-Haul. For your moving and storage needs, be sure to contact U-Haul. Please provide us feedback at latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. That's latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. If you would like to hear more of our podcast, be sure to visit our website at www. 
coasttocoastlatino.com. That's www.coasttocoastlatino.com. Or follow us on Facebook and see the latest news at Coast to Coast Latino. Thank you very much, and until next week, take care. Justo en el momento